Scripture reading today is taken from Luke chapter 11, verses 27 to 36. Luke chapter 11, verses 27 to 36. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to his generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light, but when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Thanks, Labing, for reading scripture for us. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good to... Uh, Good to have you join us today for this live stream. A special welcome to those who are on level three. Thanks for being here and, and gathering physically. Indeed, it's a blessing that we can again see one another face to face. Let me pray for us as we come to God's Word together. Let's prepare our hearts and pray. Gracious Father, we thank you indeed that you have spoken through your Son and in your Word. Father, we pray that as we come around your Word, help us to see Christ with the eyes of faith. Help us to realize that the light of Christ is already shining. And Father, we pray that you would turn our hearts to your Son. Help us to trust Him, uh, to know Him, to draw near to you through Him, that we might have life and light in Him. So Father, we seek your help and your blessing. Grant us understanding, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the first Christian books I've ever read was a comic book. <laughs> it was a comic book version of the book of Acts. And I think those drawings and the pictures left a really deep impression on me. Because up, up to this day, I can still remember uh, many of uh, the drawings and pictures of, of, that I saw in that comic book. Uh, and I would say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because my, one of the, my son's favorite books is this Action Bible uh, and, you know, for those of you with young kids, uh, I, I recommend it. it. It's a good kind of pictorial de depiction of, of all the biblical stories. And, and this is one of their favorite books, so they followed in my footsteps. 
And I think for many of us, we, we can relate to this because we're drawn to pictures, because we understand the power of seeing. For example, a movie captures our attention a lot more than a radio program. You know, it's one thing to hear about something, but it's, it's really something else to, to see for ourselves. And oftentimes, we do want to see for ourselves and not just hear about something. You know, for this reason, I, I used to wish that I lived during the time of Jesus' earthly ministry. You know, wouldn't faith be so much easier if I could just see Him in action for myself? You know, after all, you know, we, we say things like, seeing is believing. Some of us, as we listen to this, may be skeptical about Christianity. You know, perhaps nothing will change our minds unless we see or experience something dramatic or miraculous for ourselves. You know, for others, maybe we have made a, a deal with God. And we, we tell Him, hey, we, we believe in you when we see that you give us what we want. You know, maybe we want to see Him at work by giving us maybe a job, it could be success, uh, perhaps it could be God giving us a relationship or a child. You know, perhaps some of us have drifted away from God, drifted away from the faith, and we're looking for uh, a sign, perhaps, from God to bring us back. Or maybe we're just curious. We happen to be here on a Sunday watching this live stream. Maybe we want to see what Christianity is all about. What, what, what does the Bible have to say? Wherever we're at, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we've joined us, we've joined together this morning to hear from God. And while I'm grateful for how technology connects us, uh, I'd much rather see you in person. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, the, to gathering again so that we can see one another face to face. But in the meantime, let's patiently press on in faith, hope and love. And, and may God strengthen us as we come to His Word this morning. We're about halfway through our sermon series in Luke's Gospel. Uh, as we saw some weeks ago, Jesus is on His way to Jerusalem, on His way to the cross. And Jesus calls us to walk with Him along the way as He makes His way to Jerusalem. And as we follow Him along the way, we're meant to listen to Him, to hear what He says about how we are to follow Him. And we must respond to Him. I think that's the call of these passages in Luke's Gospel. And as Ollie reminded us last week in his sermon, we cannot remain neutral as we hear these words of Jesus. And indeed, Jesus says to us, whoever is not with me uh, is against me. And this week in our passage, we, we hear about how true blessedness comes from responding to Jesus. Right? True blessedness depends on our response to Jesus. So how do we respond to Him? Should we wait for a sign? Should we wait to see something because seeing is believing? How should we respond to Jesus? Now, passage today tells us just three things about the way we are to come to Jesus. Really, really three, three things in how we respond to Jesus and find true blessedness. In him. So the first thing, uh, we see this on verses 27 to 28, is hearing and obeying God's word. As we heard last week, the kingdom of God has come because God's promised king has come in Jesus Christ. And he says, 
Uh, it is, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Verse 20 in chapter 11. Jesus' miracles show that He is God's chosen King. Now, why is the coming of God's kingdom such good news? You know, Jesus talks about the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. The coming of God's kingdom is good news because it signals the coming of the king, and we need God's king to save us. God is exceedingly good, and He made us to know and enjoy Him for our good and for His glory. But the Bible says that we've all turned away from Him, thinking that we are better off without Him. And the Bible calls this rejection of God sin. And in trying to live without God, we've made a mess of His creation. Indeed, some of us would say we've made a mess of our lives. And because God is good, He must judge and punish sin to uphold the righteousness of His name, the, the goodness of His creation. But God, in His grace and mercy, He sent His Son, Jesus, to save us from our sin. And the Bible says Jesus died on the cross. That's where Jesus is going right now. You know, he's going to Jerusalem where he will die on the cross. And Jesus dies on the cross to bear God's judgment against sin so that sinners like us can be forgiven and made right with God. And Jesus rose from the dead to give us new life. And he brings us under God's loving rule where he rules as king over our lives. And, and the good news of God's kingdom is that this King, Jesus, has made peace between us and God, and He's made peace by giving His own life that we might come back to God. And now this King offers terms of peace to us, and He says, enter the kingdom, not, not, not by doing good works and trying to earn your way into the kingdom, but He says to us, enter the kingdom by trusting in Me, trusting in what I have done, on your behalf, freely, graciously, so that you can come into God's kingdom and enjoy God, come under God's loving rule. And He invites us to, to trust in Him. He invites us to repent of our rebellion against God and to find in Him life and joy. And, and that, that's why the coming of God's kingdom is such good news, friends, because the King offers us entry into God's kingdom through Him. And so Jesus is teaching the crowds about God's kingdom. He's teaching the crowds about Himself, about how we enter the kingdom through Him. And as He teaches about God's kingdom, an unnamed woman in the crowd raises her voice and, and says to Him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. Verse 27. And her words echo those of Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, at the beginning of Luke's Gospel. So back, back, way back in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 42, Elizabeth says to Mary, Jesus' mother, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And indeed, Mary herself, before she gives birth to Jesus, says, From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Uh, so, this, so this woman kind of echoes the words that we hear that we've heard earlier on in Luke's Gospel. And in blessing Jesus' mother, really this woman was praising Jesus himself, right? He was, she was blessing Jesus. 
So while some rejected Jesus, others, like this woman, praised him. Now, Jesus' response is, is somewhat surprising. You know, so this woman is kind of, in some ways, maybe interrupted what he's been saying to the crowds. And then Jesus responds to her in this way. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So, so he says to the woman, yes, indeed, it is blessed to be my mother, but it is even more blessed to hear and obey God's word. You know, does this surprise us? You know, we think, wow, you know, what, what a great blessing would be if we are related to Jesus, right? Like we're the same family, same biological family as Jesus. But Jesus says, actually, not, that's not the greatest blessing. It's better to hear and obey God's word. And indeed, Mary was blessed not simply because she gave birth to Jesus, but she was blessed because she heard, trusted, and kept God's word. God's word reveals Jesus to us. Therefore, to, to hear and obey God's word is to listen to Jesus and to follow him. And Jesus says, this, friends, is true blessedness. And, and this is how we belong to Jesus' spiritual family, which is even more significant than belonging to his biological family. You remember what Jesus says in chapter 8 of Luke's Gospel, verse 21. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the Word of God and do it. Let, let, me, let me speak a word of application to you know, the many families in our church, especially the children and youths who are listening. Uh, Zachary and Ian, I hope you're listening to this right now. Children and youths, don't take your faith for granted, especially if you've grown up in a Christian home. It's a blessing to have Christian parents. Indeed, it's a blessing to have grown up in a home where Christ is spoken about. But children and youth, your parents or your grandparents cannot believe for you. You must trust and obey Jesus. It is Yes, it's a blessing to, be, to grow up in a Christian home, but it's even more blessed to hear and obey God's word for yourself. And I, I address myself as a parent as well with, with two sons in primary school. You know, and I address other parents in our midst as well. Parents, please don't take your children's faith for granted. You may be believers, but that doesn't make our children automatically believers. So we must intentionally teach them the gospel and, and then show them with our lives what it looks like to hear and obey God's word. You know, our, our children are, are the mission field that God has entrusted to us. A word to our church as well. You know, church, how can we encourage and disciple the families among us? How can we encourage parents? How can we encourage the children in our midst to know Jesus and to follow Him? The singles among us, you know, this passage tells us that you know, we, we are not incomplete. and you're not, uh, You don't need to be married to be complete. Jesus says it's, it's blessed to hear and obey 
God's Word. What, what matters most is not having biological families. What matters most is having a spiritual family that Christ is creating around Himself. Whether you are married or not, whether you have children or not, Jesus says it's more blessed to hear and obey God's Word. Relationships in Christ are more precious, even more precious than relationships in our biological families. Jesus says merely hearing God's Word is not enough. And He calls us to hear and obey, to hear and keep. God's truth is for our transformation, not just for our increase in knowledge. As James reminds us, be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So it is good to praise Jesus as this woman does, but the praise of our lips, if unaccompanied by obedience in our lives, will not glorify God. We cannot remain neutral. The gospel demands a response from us. And having heard the gospel, have we also obeyed the gospel? And when Jesus speaks of hearing and keeping, he, he's present tense. He's talking about a life of continual hearing and obeying. So following Jesus means continuing to hear and obey God's word throughout lives, throughout our lives. It's a bit like uh, wedding vows, right? What makes wedding vows significant and meaningful is that the couple continue to abide by their wedding vows across their life, uh, across their marriage, not just at the wedding, but throughout their married lives. And in the same, it's the same here as well. What makes hearing and, and obeying significant is that we don't do it just once, but we continue to hear and obey across our lives as Christ brings us into relationship with Himself. You know, and friends, this new lifestyle isn't easy. That's why Jesus calls us to daily deny ourselves, to, to daily take up our cross and follow Him. And in, in these verses, there is a promise, isn't there, that to hear and obey is blessed. To hear and obey is not easy, but it is joy. So Jesus speaks these words for our joy. He says to us, do you, do you want joy? Do, do you want a life of, of, of joy with God? And he says, hear and obey my word. That's the pathway to life and joy. Do we ever ask ourselves, why do we sin? You know, why, why do we sin? When we read a verse like this, so why do we sin? You know, why do we give in to temptation? You know, I, I put it to us that we sin because we actually do not believe Jesus. You think about it, that, that moment where temptation presents itself and we fall into temptation, what are we, what are we saying? in that moment? What are we thinking in that moment? I, I think we're thinking, I'd rather find my happiness doing what I want to do, right? I'd rather, I, I'd rather trust myself and think that what I'm about to do will give me true pleasure 
will give me true joy, and that's why I sin. So in that moment where we fall, in the moment when we sin, we're actually saying to Jesus, I don't believe you. I don't believe this, this word that you have spoken, that blessed indeed are those who hear and obey your word. So friends, I, I put it to us that sin is unbelief. Right? Sin, sin is kind of reading this verse and saying that's not true. So, so as, we, as we come to this verse, I think this verse calls us to believe Jesus. Right? In, in that moment of temptation, in that moment where, where sin sort of beckons us, where sin threatens to deceive us, I think we, kind of pause, we, we need to pause and think, no, no, it, it's, it's more blessed to hear and obey. That's where true joy is. That's, that, that, that's what this, this joy that's held before me by Jesus in this verse enables me to, to not listen to the lies that sin tells me. And this, this, this verse reminds me that indeed it is more blessed to follow Jesus because true and lasting pleasure and joy are found in Christ. This brings us to our second point, which is on seeking the Son, not a sign. So we're told in in verses 29 to 32, that the crowds were increasing. Right? More people are coming around Jesus to hear what he has to say. So Jesus is gaining popularity. Right? He's really commanding a greater following. But the question is, is he gaining more disciples? Jesus himself doesn't think so. Right? The crowds are increasing, but then he says to the crowds, this generation, I think addressing the crowds, this generation is an evil generation. You know, not, not the most sort of seeker-friendly thing to say. And he says to the crowds, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign. Verse 29. Well, his words warn us against measuring success by popularity. And Jesus knows the crowds are, are seeking a sign not him. You know, to them, you know, Jesus was perhaps just a miracle worker, not Lord and Savior. And in the Gospels, people seek signs for various reasons. Some, like the Pharisees and other religious leaders, they, they want a sign to test Jesus, right? They, they challenge Jesus to show them a sign to prove himself to them. You know, others want a sign in order to satisfy their earthly desires, you know, in John's Gospel, for example, the crowds followed Jesus because he gave them bread to eat. And they're not really looking for Jesus, they're looking to have their stomachs filled, their needs met, you know, their immediate needs met. You know, my, my two sons recently discovered uh, Christian hip-hop. <laughs> so they've been listening to this uh, rapper called uh, Shylin. You know, some of you may have heard of Shylin. So one of their favorite Shailin songs is this song called False Teacher. You know, really, and, and that's a very appropriate song for this text because that, that song describes the danger of seeking the gifts rather than the giver. You know, and there's this line in the, in the song that says, if you come to Jesus for money, then he's not your God. Money is. You seek for a sign. Jesus is not a means to an end. The gospel is He came to redeem us from sin. 
And obviously, you have to rap that. I, I can't do that, but, but it's, it's sung in rap. Friends, we, as, as, we come, as we think about this, put ourselves in the shoes of the crowd. You know, are, are we seeking a sign? Ask ourselves this question, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough for us? Or are we using Him to get what we really want? Is Jesus enough for us? Or are we using Him to get what we really want? Now, are we holding out on Jesus until He proves Himself to us by giving us what we want? Friends, this passage is a warning to us to not test Jesus in this way. You know, listen to the words of Jesus, right? It is an evil, unbelieving generation that seeks for a sign. This is what evil looks like. This is what unbelief looks like. Jesus is not obliged to indulge our selfish desires. He is under no obligation to pander to our unbelief. You know, God does not spoil His children. You know, this is why Jesus says to the crowds, no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. Some background is helpful here. Jonah was an Old Testament prophet whom God sent to preach to the Assyrian city of Nineveh. And because Assyria was Israel's enemy, you know, Jonah, being a patriotic Israelite, refused to go. He said, why should I preach to God's enemies? So he tried to run away from God's calling, but God graciously pursued him, uh, swallowed, him swallowed him up, sent the fish, swallowed Jonah up. And then after that, Jonah decided to go to Nineveh, but he still did it unwillingly. Yeah. And, and yet, in spite of Jonah's reluctance, the whole city of Nineveh responded with repentance. You know, it, it's an amazing account you can read about in, in, the, in the book of Jonah. What is the sign of Jonah? In Matthew's Gospel, you know, in, in a similar passage in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then Jesus goes on to say, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, Jesus referring there to his death, burial, and resurrection. So in Matthew's Gospel, the, the sign of Jonah is, is focused on the sign of Jesus' resurrection. But I want us to look carefully in, in Luke's Gospel here. Because Luke actually does not mention the resurrection, right? Jesus doesn't say anything about Jonah being in the belly of the great fish. He doesn't say that. Here, the, the sign of Jonah doesn't emphasize so much the resurrection of Jesus, although that's in the background. But the sign of Jonah emphasized here in Luke's gospel is Jonah's preaching and Nineveh's repentance. That's the sign that Jesus emphasizes here in Luke's gospel. And like, like Jonah, Jesus is also a prophet, right? His, his mission is to preach God's word, to call people to return to God. But the key difference 
is that while, while the people of Nineveh repented, the crowds in Jesus' day refused to listen to him, and they insist on seeing a sign. Therefore, the sign of Jonah, the, the, the repentance of Nineveh, that's the sign of Jonah. And I think that sign confronts the crowd with their own unbelief and hardness of heart. It's a rather negative sign in that sense. It shows the crowd how hardened their hearts are towards Jesus. And then citing another Old Testament example, Jesus says the Queen of the South, the Queen of Sheba, you can read about her in uh, 1 Kings, the Queen of the South traveled from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. The crowds in Jesus' day, on the other hand, refused to listen to Jesus, although he has come all the way from heaven to preach to them. You know, like the Jews, we might consider ourselves to be religious, or spiritual. You know, many of us are regular churchgoers, or at least we used to be before Circuit Breaker hit. <laughs> Now, now we watch the, the, the services online. But many of us maybe, maybe will count ourselves as religious, you know, good people. Some of us grew up in believing families. You know, but the contrasting responses of Nineveh and the Queen of Sheba on the one hand and that of the Jewish crowds on the other witness against presuming on our religious privilege or position. You know, think, think about these two Old Testament examples. They have to do with the coming of non-Jews, non-Israelites, the people of Nineveh and this pagan queen from the south. The people of Nineveh believed the queen of Sheba listened to Solomon. The Gentiles listened to God's word while the Jews don't. You see the twist in what's happening here. Outsiders are brought in by faith. Seeming insiders are excluded because of their unbelief. And these two Old Testament examples highlight for us the sinfulness of unbelief. And this is why it is so evil to seek for a sign. The, the people of Nineveh obeyed a disobedient prophet. The queen of the south listened to a fallible human king. Yet the crowds reject Jesus, although he is the greater prophet. They reject him, although he is the greater king, with greater wisdom than Solomon. They reject him, although he comes and he speaks greater good news, and he brings an even greater kingdom. And yet they turn away from him. I think Jesus wants us to see in these verses the, the irrationality, the, the madness, and, and how unreasonable unbelief really is. Jesus is the eternal Son of God come in the flesh, and He is God's supreme revelation of Himself to us. You know, Hebrews tells us that you know, God's Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. So friends, seek the Son, not a sign. 
why should we insist on seeing a sign when God has already spoken to us so clearly through His Son by sending Him for us and for our salvation? Friends, look to Jesus, not to signs to strengthen our faith. Come to Jesus by hearing His Word, by obeying His Word. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden our hearts to Jesus because we will one day have to give an account to God for how we have responded to His Son. In this passage, Jesus Himself warns of this coming day of reckoning. He says, at the judgment, at the judgment, the Queen of the South and the people of Nineveh will rise up and condemn the unbelief of of this evil generation. We need need to listen to the warning in this passage. Other passages also warn us similarly, like in Hebrews 12. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. And finally, see the light that is already shining. The third aspect of how we respond to Jesus. See the light that is already shining. So the people's unbelief is is not caused by a lack of light. Jesus says in verse 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. what, What is he referring to? I believe he's referring to himself and the preaching of the gospel. This is the light that has been put on a stand, clearly displayed for all to see. So this, this, this verse actually indicts the crowd. He's saying that it's not for lack of light that you don't believe because I have been preaching the gospel. I have been publicly displaying the light of the gospel. The light of the gospel has not been hidden because Jesus has been openly preaching the good news concerning himself. And what's more, he has performed many signs already. He has performed many miracles along the way. He's healed the sick. He's stilled the storm. He's cast out demons. He's raised the dead. His whole life and ministry have been singularly a display of God's light. He has clearly testified through his life and ministry that he is the promised Messiah and the Son of God. The the light is already shining. God's kingdom has come because God's king has come. So in a sense, Jesus is telling the crowds, how can you ask for a sign when this light has already been so clearly displayed before you? John's gospel tells us why the crowds ask for a sign. John 3, 19, although the light has come into the world, people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. You know, in in asking for a sign, the crowds show their hard-hearted refusal to believe Jesus' words and his works. The problem isn't a lack of evidence. The problem is an unwillingness 
to believe the truth when it has been so clearly displayed to them. God displays the truth about Jesus Christ so that all may see His light. Jesus lived, died, rose from the grave. None of these things were done in the corner. As Acts tells us, He ascended to His Father's right hand and now rules in glory. And He will one day return to judge the world. Uh, Friends, as as we read this passage, as, as we hear the gospel, what will we do with the gospel? What will we do with Jesus? And Jesus calls us to look to Him because our spiritual health depends on it. So He says in verse 34, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. To have a healthy eye is to see Jesus, not with earthly eyes, but to see Jesus with the eyes of faith. It is to hear and obey what God says about His Son in His Word. So Jesus calls us to to see Him, to to have a healthy eye that sees that He is the light of the world. Jesus invites us to stop evaluating Him with worldly wisdom, to to stop seeing him with worldly eyes that see merely a man, but to see him with the eyes of faith, to to see him for who he really is, the Son of God, the Christ, God's King. To stop evaluating Jesus with worldly wisdom or by our own selfish expectations or desires. Jesus is not obliged to give us what we want, but He is gracious and merciful to give us what we truly need, and that is Himself. To reject Jesus is to remain in spiritual darkness. And Jesus says, when your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. When we fail to see Him with the eyes of faith, we remain in darkness. And therefore, Jesus says, therefore be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. But when we believe in Jesus, His light shines into our whole being and every part of our lives. And He changes us. He transforms us from the inside out. As the psalm says at the beginning of our service, Psalm 36, for with you is the fountain of life in your light. Do we see light? So in order for us to be the light of the world, we must believe in the light of the world, Jesus. Whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If we are in Christ, then his light will shine in us and his light will shine out of us. So that's what Jesus says in verse 36. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Jesus shines the light of the gospel into our lives so that our whole body is full of light, having no part dark. Friends, that's a wonderful promise of God's mercy and grace. That's a wonderful invitation for us to bring 
every part of our lives into the light of Christ. That's an invitation to us to let His light brighten the darkness of our sin and brokenness, to brighten the darkness of our guilt and shame. You know, friends, there are many things that we have hidden away in the dark. There are many aspects of our lives that we are not proud of, that we've tucked away in the darkness, hoping no one finds out. You know, there's sin and brokenness in our lives that we are ashamed of, that we bear the burden of guilt. And Jesus says we can come to Him and, and light, let the light of the gospel penetrate every part of our lives and brighten every part of our lives so that nothing dark remains. Jesus is the gracious and merciful Saviour who shines the light of the gospel, who deals decisively with our shame, our guilt, and He turns the darkness into light. In His light, do we see light? Friends, this is a wonderful invitation for us to come to Jesus and to let His light shine into us. He's able to deal with the darkness and to transform us, to change our lives, to reflect more of His glory. And He will forgive. He will cleanse us if we come to Him. And in Christ, we are to shine like lights in the darkness of this world, individually as well as together as God's people. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. How do you become the light of the world? By believing in the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Friends, as we, as, we, as we prepare to start this new work week, think about these verses. If, if, if we are light in Christ, if we have received the light of Christ, then we ought to shine as lights for Him in this world. That is true blessedness, friends. That is true joy, to reflect, to know the light of Christ and to reflect His light in this world. True blessedness depends on hearing and obeying what God says about His Son. You know, seeing is believing, but only if we seek the Son with the eyes of faith and not signs. So friends, ask God to give us the eyes of faith to see Jesus for who He truly is. And friends, remember this verse, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, is able to shine into our hearts the light of Christ and His glory. Friends, come, come to Jesus and, and know His light. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank You indeed for sending Your Son, the light of the world, Father, we thank you and praise you that he has come uh, to display the light of your goodness, to display the light of your grace and mercy, to display the light of your free forgiveness and your love. 
Oh, Father, we thank you and praise you for your Son. We thank you for Jesus. And Father, we pray now that as, we, as we've heard his word, we pray that we would be those who trust him. We pray that we would be those who are not merely hearers, but also those who are doers of his word, those who hear and obey, those who believe and live differently because we have believed in Christ. So Father, we commit ourselves to you. We pray that you would help us to see Jesus with the eyes of faith, that we would give ourselves to him gladly, that we would turn away from anything that keeps us from coming to him and help us to find light and life in him. Father, we commit this time to you and we pray that as we spend time reflecting on what we've heard, help us to respond to you with faith. Draw us to yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.